You're listening to Test, Learn, Grow, where we believe that all marketing should create value, build trust, and inspire change. This is the Level Agency way. Hey, Miles here from Level, and I am proud to be your podcast host. In every episode of Test, Learn, Grow, I'll be joined by agency team members and other members of the marketing community for radically candid conversations on all things marketing. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Tim, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. How about you? <laughs> I like that answer. You're pretty good. Yeah. Very, very honest. I like I like Tim for his honesty. It's Tuesday. What can you do? <laughs> well, we are joined by Alan Reynolds on this show today. She's gonna help me pick your brain, try to get all that knowledge out of your head. So, Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be with you, lads, today. So, Tim, the last time we had you on, we started to go down a pretty deep rabbit hole around privacy and data, and I told you we'd be back. So today is that day. I'm gonna flip it to you to start. You know, it's a big topic. So where do you think is the best place to start this conversation around data and privacy as it pertains to digital advertising? Yeah, so I think I think the best way to frame it outside of all of the panicked headlines that you see, kind of stay calm and be patient with everything that's happening. This stuff is really evolving and changing very quickly, and it's going to continue. A really good example of that was Google said in 2022, no more cookies. They just came out and said, okay, we're going to push that back to 2023. So while it seems like everything is going to happen like in an instant, this is still evolving. Solutions are being created. People are still working through different problems. So it's not, it's, it's not code red, but be aware, be patient, always pay a little bit more attention to your conversion rates in Facebook. That's something that uh, you can fix relatively easily with something called Cappy or the Conversion API. We have a blog article about that on our website. If you want to look and check that out, you can see how to set it up. It takes some work, but in the short term, set up Conversion API, be patient. And so is that using Cappy is meant to prepare you for when the cookies go away? Is that what you're saying? Kind of. So, so let me put it this way. So right now, Conversion pixels that tell advertisers somebody clicked an ad and they did a thing. A lot of that is based off of pixels, cookies, and all of that stuff. What Conversion API does is it connects your CRM to Facebook. So it says, oh, this person ended up doing a thing that generated something for our business. And then Facebook ties that back to an ad or an audience or something in Facebook. So technically, it's like a better version of like pixel tracking and cookie tracking and that kind of stuff. Uh, so if you're worried about like conversion rates in the short term, 100% get that set up. Yeah, and I was going to bring up what you said about Google, them setting that deadline and that finish line and then moving the finish line. It can make it frustrating for people who do what we do as a profession because the rule book's constantly changing as we're playing the game. Mm-hmm. What do you think marketers should be focusing on? Uh, you mentioned the kind of stay calm, keep doing what you're doing, but How do we prepare for it, knowing it's eventually going to change? We don't know the true date yet. You just got pushed back a year. You bring up one example with Conversion API on Facebook, but where else should marketers be focusing? What is within our control when it seems like a lot of this stuff around privacy and data is not in our control? Yeah. Well, one of the first things is get your house in order in terms of first-party data, right? 
that is going to continue to be one of the most valuable things. It's going to be the way that you interact with your potential customers, your current customers, et cetera. Make sure everything's clean, it's structured, it's nice, and can be activated across a bunch of different platforms. So get that, get that all cleaned up. Make sure that's ready to go and start testing through different groupings, different messages. If you're not already, make sure you get that in order. And from there, uh, another simple one is to test uh, an expansion into contextual targeting. Uh, from what we've seen, contextual targeting is still really freaking powerful because you're really meeting people where they're interested or reading about something or they're on a specific type of website. So get that back up and running and then expand into like in-platform engagements in Facebook. So if you're worried about remarketing, go into target people who have interacted with my page, target people who have engaged with our videos, something like that. There are different ways to remarket people. Offsite remarketing is just one of them. So expand that, test that, and see what that does for your business. And then just try to think about, okay, worst case scenario, right? What happens? Cookies go away. What does that actually mean for our investment, right? Look at how much you're spending in things like third-party cookies and display. Are you using like blue high audiences? What does that mean? How much are you investing there? How much are you investing in remarketing and Facebook? Just take a, uh, take a minute, look through where all of your investments are, and then build roadmaps to sort of move yourself uh, around what may be the worst case scenario. What are some of the current changes happening around privacy and security that the average person should know about in light of maybe things aren't as dire for marketers as we once thought? What's the implication there for consumers? That's good, right? I mean, not only am I a marketer or a person who spends a lot of time on the internet, so having the control over my like data, where it goes, and all of that, it's a little bit of peace of mind, right? Because uh, you don't know if some app that you downloaded that's a candy crush ripoff is selling your data with what other apps you're using to like three or four different companies, right? Didn't know that before. Now you do. And you can make better decisions about like what you download, what you use. It's fantastic. It's really good. And the only other thing I would say is for the consumer, right now we're kind of in a weird place where... We have really, really, really hyper-targeted ads, stuff that, you know, you're just thinking about, just like, oh, maybe I should go buy another pair of shoes, and they see an ad for those same shoes, right? You're like, oh, Facebook's listening to me. Nah, it's just you're predictable, and you are you search for similar things on the internet. There are a lot of people like you, right? There are a lot of people who have the same purchasing behavior. So you have really hyper-personalized ads, but that's probably going to get less accurate over time, so... If you're used to sort of a seamless personalized experience, whether it's in your feeds from the content that you see to the ads that you're given, probably going to get a little less personalized, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, not necessarily a good thing. It just is what it is. You mentioned it a little bit about now you know what companies are doing with your data. And we didn't know that before. And as a consumer, that's awesome. Advertisers are questioning the effectiveness of everything, right? The saga continues. But... Let's pivot to talk about advertiser transparency then, right? That's, that brings this conversation. Now the cat's out of the bag. There's no hiding. People are now going to be more informed about why they're getting those hyper-personalized ads you just talked about or what we're doing with their data. They have more say. What does this mean? Like, what is this conversation that feels like we're dancing around but not directly having? Yeah, so we we're talking a lot about how we're going to be able to target people people in the future. And the res response from some of our partners is that this is just the world that we live in and this is just what we're going to have to deal with. But the thing that is slightly concerning to me 
But again, going back to my initial point, this is still kind of the early stages, is that I, I really haven't heard much about transparency. And transparency when it comes to advertising, especially things like display advertising, have been a huge deal for a long time now, using different verification services, making sure the audiences you're targeting are accurate, or you're even targeting real people, right? Are there click farms? What's going on? Like, is there ad fraud associated with this? So it, it's been a huge concern in the industry. So I'm a little bit concerned that we're not hearing much about transparency and being able to verify all of these new targeting options like Flock, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're managing an, our investment, but managing an investment from our clients, right? They expect to spend X dollars and get some return from that. So what we really need and what we sort of rely on is that causal relationship. So somebody does clicks a thing, then they buy a thing. We can measure that. It's one-to-one, right? That's really important. But some of the solutions for like conversion tracking or uh, attribution modeling or things like that, the, the solutions in this cookie-less world or this privacy-first world sound a little bit more like correlations. It's less causal, more correlated. And I guess my only issue with that is if we're just looking at correlations and not just direct one-to-one, this person clicked this, they bought that, they viewed this, they bought that, then what better is what better is the digital side of things from traditional advertising, right? I mean, I can run a lift study off of magazine placements and billboard buys and TV buys going from city to city, right? But I can't run a path to conversion report from somebody who saw a billboard and then eventually walked in and bought a new t-shirt, right? So that's what sets digital marketing apart. I really hope that there is some solution to make sure we're still talking one-to-one and there's not a lot of, well, trust us or, well, we're modeling conversions or this is what this model tells us. I'd like it to be a little bit more causal. The lack of ability, perhaps, to have a causal relationship, right? Do you see that marketing dollars will potentially leave the space, the digital space, right? Will we see less people interested in digital advertising? Potentially, right? And that's where we have to adapt. And But again, there, I, I want to walk back saying like digital advertising versus traditional. I mean, digital advertising is just advertising now. Digital marketing is just marketing. So whatever allows us to draw those causal relationships better, because something will come around. There's so much money involved in this industry. There's so much money in driving those causal one-to-one, somebody clicks a thing, they buy a thing relationships that... If Google, Facebook, Apple make it more difficult, then eventually there's going to be a pressure release valve. And our job as strategic partners to our clients is to find those very quickly. So to answer your question, possibly, I'm really interested to see where uh, digital out of home goes in the next few years, because that technology has been really improving. And then also things like OTT. There are a lot of things that could take up some of those, you know, Facebook dollars that are moving away from Facebook a little bit, but uh, we're always keeping our eye out for those new opportunities. You mentioned flock, right? And we're not, we're not talking about birds here. We're talking about marketing and that was on our list to talk about. So what is this? Because a lot of what we talk about, I feel like is in that iOS conversation that's everywhere. You mentioned the headlines, that's the headlines. iOS 14, this, 15, this, et cetera. But where does Flock fit in? What does it stand for? What do we need to know? 
Yeah, so I, I've been obsessed with Flock since I first heard about it. I've been reading a lot about it, and every time I read an article or read a developer document, I feel like I understand less. <laughs> uh, Perfect. I feel like I understand less, so I'm probably going to do this terribly. But Flock stands for Federated Learning of Cohorts. Within Google's Privacy Sandbox, there are a number of like bird-centric names and tools that Google's working on. Basically, this is Google's solution for the cookie. Right. The whole plan was 2022, no more cookies. Flock is here to stay and Flock is going to run things. So the way to think about it is like with cookies, it's you go to a website, you go to amazon.com or you go to level.agency, you get a cookie and it's associated that you went to level.agency. Somebody bundles up cookies or does something like that. And then you target those people. Right. So it's really individualized. It's you have a cookie on your computer and then that's used to target you. The way that Flock is different, and I'm going to try to do this correctly, is that instead of getting a cookie within your browser, so specifically on your device, you are added to a cohort of people who have similar browsing behavior. They go to different things and Google controls that. So the only thing that advertisers and ad tech groups are going to be able to target is just the cohort ID, right? So Let's say that I run Nike.com and I find that people in cohorts 532 and cohorts 2,132 are like the ones who are constantly coming to my website. If they wanted to work with ad tech providers to say just like, hey, these two cohorts look like they really like to buy shoes, then advertisers could target those cohorts through either Google or some third party. I don't know how it's going to work yet, but the difference is it abstracts it. From I did a thing to, hey, I kind of have similar browsing behavior to this group of a thousand people. It's hiding people's browsing behavior in the crowd, hence flock, I guess. And that information is still only stored in your browser. There's not some database somewhere that says, hey, this person with this cookie ID showed up on these websites. It's just like, hey, on uh, Alan's computer, uh, Google recognizes them as uh, cohort 1102. So something along those lines. So I guess it's better from a privacy standpoint. And that makes sense. And that's a really, really intelligent way of going about doing it from Google's perspective. And I think that it's a really, really good idea. The thing that I worry about, though, is the abstraction from that, right? So nowadays, you're buying an audience through a DSP or something, right? And you're targeting a bunch of cookies that some group has aggregated God knows how. That say some this person is likely to purchase applesauce in the month of July. Right. Anybody who buys data like that, they understand that it's the accuracy rating on it isn't very great. But, you know, you can improve that over time, negate some audiences, get the right context, right, do all of these things. But those audiences on their own are not that great. My fear is that if we have that same model where Google is creating these cohorts, then you have an intermediary who is bundling these cohorts and advertisers are purchasing against those cohorts then you've just exponentially increased that issue because if they're not as accurate in bundling the groups as they were cookies, then you're not just dealing with individual cookies, you're dealing with cohorts who are already abstracted. That's a really long way to say, I worry again about the accuracy and the transparency 
of those audiences. But when it comes to thinking about a cookie-less world and how you solve for that problem, I think this is a really unique and really thoughtful solution. It does raise the question for me, Tim, and I might be incorrect in this, but Google seems to have a lot of power in this scenario, right? They're controlling the flock. They're creating the flock. Advertisers have less influence than ever before, and Google has more power in this. So in a way, are consumers, perhaps they're gaining some privacy, but they're also giving up a lot more power to one entity rather than many. Would that be fair to say? Is that different? Any concerns with that? So I I would reframe that a little bit. I would say it's not a matter of power. It's just a matter of just who, who owns that data, right? In the context of the digital advertising space, yes, that equates to power. So Google now having all the data, somebody like a blue guy may be like, hey, what the heck are you doing? Why don't I get any of that data? What's going on there? But in terms of the consumer side, I don't think it's necessarily power. It's I, I would be uh, more comforted knowing that my data lives on my device and that Google is the only person who really has the in-depth like browsing data and the things that I do versus some random company I've never heard of who has servers and servers full of this stuff. So it seems like Google has more power. Other companies now are losing power to a larger entity. Uh, But in the end, for consumers, it actually may be a better thing because in theory, it should be more secure with one place. Yeah, exactly. There's there's less breakpoints. Which goes back to what you said earlier a little bit about how this just makes first-party data that much more important from a a brand's perspective. Mm -hmm. All of our clients, us having access to that first-party data to advertise on behalf of those clients, that's going to be where the control comes back to the companies that are doing advertising. So what are some ways, now that we've spelled out the, the issue at hand and what's happening with data and privacy, if this is that main solution of how do you get around these quote unquote problems is first party data. So how do we go about getting and improving our access to first party data? Good question. So first party data is going, is going to be the most valuable thing that you have and driving those leads and providing them your potential customers with valuable experiences, content, or offers is going to be the thing that will make or break your campaigns moving forward. Granted, it always has. It always has. But with all of the different data sources with the technology available, you could get away with doing some some, uh, platform magic that allows you to work the algorithms in your favor to get somebody to click your ad and give you uh, other information that you could use. But now as it's going to get uh, these algorithms may lose some sophistication, you're going to have to lean heavily on improving the user experience of your advertising and your landing pages and your offers. It sounds like good marketing is going to be more vital than ever, right? Having better landing pages, having increasing all of it, right? Like it will no longer be okay to be an average or a mediocre marketing firm in this new era of digital privacy and concerns. That's a really good way to put it. The pendulum is swinging back. For a while it was, if you had a really, really solid team of media buyers that you know understood the economics of the different platforms and all this stuff, you could get away with substandard creative. Like for being honest, like there is actually a, a test that we ran a few years back and we found that sometimes the ugliest looking ads, especially in display, have the most impact. 
it, it's it's crazy. That's that's the way it was, right? But the pendulum is uh, swinging back the other way. That you can't get away with just having substandard creative, substandard landing pages, just getting something out there. You really have to put the strategic thought in, have the empathy, and test through different assumptions of what your audience wants. Because now they're expecting more. They really are expecting more. They've been catered to on the internet through these algorithms for like the last 10 years now. The internet has just been all for you. It's been great. It's fantastic. But now you got to give them something extra because everybody's trying to get their attention. Everybody's, you know, designed the world in your potential customer's image. So have the best creative, have the best landing pages, test assumptions, really, really learn about your audience, learn about what they want, learn about how they interact with your website, learn about what, then maybe send out some surveys, do, get, get creative with it. But the more you can do to learn about your customer base and improve your first party data, that's going to be the ticket. Whether Google pushes back the, the cookie end date to 2028 or not, uh, these are all things that can help you now and for a long time. Yeah, what's resonating for me as you're both talking is we talk in these weird uh, acronyms, right? Or like metaphors. We're talking about cookies and data and flocks and you know, marketing ruins everything, right? But at the end of the day, what I'm hearing from you both, it's like, remember that there's a human on the other end of the computer. Yeah. It's a customer. It's a person you're talking about. So being an empathetic human is going to win every single time over trying to game an algorithm or work the numbers, right? It's, that's the user experience that you you guys are both talking about and it's like it's great in a way right like you were saying tim it's like you're one of the rare marketers that's excited about this it's like people are like upset about what they lost but i think what we're gaining like as humans is that it's it's cool it's hip it's in style to be like a nice person again and how that applies to marketing and business especially so we'll take it for the win yeah i mean personally i will miss the days when to run a really good Facebook ad account, you had like 250 some ad sets with different bids running different daily budgets that you have flighted at different times and different geos broken down. And it was so complex and it was so, it was, it was fun because you could use the algorithm to your advantage and you could figure it out and you could like reverse engineer different things. But nowadays it's, if you don't have good creative, it's just, it's just not going to work. You get a relatively broad audience. You test through a bunch of different creative messages you look, this doesn't mean you're not looking through the numbers. You're not trying to optimize cost per click, conversion rate, average order value, all of this stuff. I'm definitely not saying that, but it is uh, orders of magnitude more focused on the end of, uh, the creative and the messaging and giving the person what they need and what they want versus trying to find, like reverse engineer a user experience. Well, I think it's a great place to end it. So I appreciate your knowledge, Tim, and your time, Alan. This has been Fun conversation. Hopefully everyone listening or watching learned something today. So thanks. No, thanks for having me, Miles. Nice to be with you both. Thanks for listening to this episode of Test, Learn, Grow from your friends at Level Agency. For more information on what we do here at Level, be sure to visit us online at www.level.agency. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And until next time, remember that the best way to do any sort of marketing is to test, learn, and grow.